Welcome to Adult Sunday School at Mid Valley Bible Church. We're dealing with the subject of uh, the angelic realm. Uh, we covered last Sunday the doctrine of uh, elect angels. We're going to finish that today on with uh, the work of angels as it relates to God, to the Messiah, to unbelievers, to nations and uh, finally to us as believers. And then we're going to cover the topic, and it's going to sound awful as I say it, but say, Satanology. So we're going to learn about Satan and what he and what he's all about. We're going to spend the second half of our, um, our time in that. And uh, it's part of a very long study that Arnold has on that. You can get it for free at the area website on... Um, it's called Messianic Bible Study Number 77, The Doctrine of Satan. You can also get in that book that I gave to Ken. So I gave the book to Ken. So you can go to Ken and say, hey, can I borrow that from you? And he should say yes. <laughs> you should say yes, you can. Um, but uh, I thought of a silly joke, but I will refrain. Um, oh, I can't help it. So Ken, the word Ken in, in Hebrew means yes. So Ken, Ken. Anyway, Ken, yes. yes, yes. Never mind. Yes. Okay. That's sad. All right. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. When we get to the topic of Satan, uh, you're going to see my tone change a little bit. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that. And I want to make sure that we're really clear when we deal with that topic, why we're talking about it. Uh, we do remember that angelic ends with a C, right? And we talked about the two things that if you can't remember anything, remember this. And that is the two C's. Actually, Joy helped me come up. Joy helped me come up with another C. Right, so it's what is it? Courage, courage. Yeah. So comfort, comfort, confidence, and courage. I think those are good. So when we're studying this, that's the goal. So if you're not getting that as a result, come talk to me because it may be something I said or a confusion or some question you might have. So let let's pray. <clears throat> oh, before we pray, is there any specific prayer request today or something going on that we need to be praying for as a group? Michael's family. Yes, I saw that. Okay. Um, okay, and Sharon Baxter also. I think they're still. Okay, Sharon and Michael. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, and we want to pray for Michael and his family and the comfort that they need in this time of loss. Also for Sharon, as she, uh, as their family deals with the loss of a very of, um, a precious child, Lord. And we, it's just so, uh, we live in this world, and sometimes we lose focus on that you are sovereign over our affairs, Lord. So we just... Lift them up to you and pray that you give them the comfort that only you can give. Lord, we also pray for our time together today, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Okay, so very good. Let's uh, dive right on in. And I always think we should do a quick little review, so I'll do a very, very brief review, five minutes or less than what we've covered so far. So we talked about the, the doctrine of angels. We, we understand that there's some false ideas out there. One of them is that it's some kind of emanation of God. We're going to see that show up again when it comes uh, to demons and to Satan. But angels are real beings. They're real beings. They're not a race because they don't reproduce after their own kind. All angels were created in one moment in time, and that's a set number. They also don't experience death. Angels don't die. So uh, and you can draw a parallel between that and our soul. Okay. So uh, we talked about the existence of angels, that they're a fact. They, uh, Jesus teaches on it. That's good enough for me. Okay. Uh, we also know that throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament alike, angels are mentioned. Uh, we talked about the creation of angels. Uh, they were made at a specific point in time. You guys remember what we said about that as it relates to Genesis 1? Angels were created before the heavens and the earth. Mm. Okay, we know that they fell sometime after the heavens and the earth, but they were created before all that. So they were witnesses to it. Remember Job 38, 7. They rejoiced in the creation. So uh, we, they had the power of contrary choice. Interesting that Arnold calls it a specific thing, but I think we both look at it from different perspectives. Uh, I think we all have the power to choose something against the will of God, and Adam certainly did that, and the angels, one-third of the angels certainly did that as well. Uh, the number of the angels, they're innumerable, their abode, sphere, and appearance. Basically, their home is in heaven. Their area of operations is the atmospheric heavens and you know, space in here. So basically, they have access to all that. And so the say. Uh, so the Satan, um, they have, uh, they appear as young men. So we know that we could use that 
I give that example from that YouTube video, you know, and that we could have applied that if we had wa if you had watched that because the, the everybody agreed that this guy was some older guy, and that's not the case. Every time an angel appears, and when I'm speaking here of common angels, we know that there's three different types. You remember what they were? The first order is the cherubim, seraphim. Then you have angels, and then within those you have a hierarchy. There's you know an archangel in charge of the angels and whatnot. So it's very organized. Um, and that's what the Bible teaches us. They have personalities, they have in intellect, emotion, and volition. So the ability to choose or will. Uh, we know that they, when they appear, they have some kind of corporal reality. So they can appear in a vision. The vision means you're awake. And they can appear in a dream. That means you're sleeping, but you see it. Like in the case of um, uh, Joseph, all his encounters with angels in the life of Joseph went through dreams. I think that's interesting. I don't know if we can read into that anything other than that's just what happened. And then when they appear as just an appearance right there, the reaction is fear, but they have some kind of corporal reality because they can move things in this, in this, uh, this world. Uh, we know that they're very organized. They have uh, thrones, dominions, principalities, and they all relate to their sphere of influence and authority. But we talked about the chief prince concept that each nation has a chief prince angel. Michael is the one in charge of Israel. And we also know that there's a counter to that, as we're going to learn today, that there are demons that are also involved in the, in the affairs of man. So um, we talked about the seraphim, the cherubim. The cherubim, the seraphim and the angels, we don't know how many they are, but we know we feel confident. I say we feel confident. I think we can be confident there were at least five cherubim, of which one was Satan. Of which one was Satan. So... And now we're going to deal with something new, the work of angels, okay? So we're going to deal with the work of angels in relationship to God, to Jesus and his life, and into, in relationship to unbelievers, in relationship to nations, and then finally in relationship to us, okay? So the work of, uh, of angels in relationship to God. So question, you know, what do you think is the primary role of an angel in heaven in relationship to God? What do you think they're doing? Worshiping. So worship would be number one. And we know that specifically the seraphim say, holy, 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 kadosh, 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 if they speak Hebrew, I think they do. <laughs> the other one is they execute God's will. So uh, we know that they go out and they do what they're commanded to do. So uh, Hebrews 1, 7 says, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So they're going out and carrying out God's will. We know that they shouted for joy in Job 38.7. Keep coming back to that Job 38.7 because Job is the book that gives us the most amount of insight into the relationship between God, Satan, uh, Satan's minions, and us as human beings. So it's a book that if you're looking for a book to do a devotional on, read through Job. Um, they execute God's judgments. We'll see that both in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah. So who showed up to do that? Well, a theophany, I think Jesus in the Old Testament, uh, and then we have two angels, and the two angels are the ones that actually go out and carry it out. And here's where we say they have some kind of corporal reality because they closed the door, they were able to blind the people, they had to move and walk to get to some place. It's very interesting. Uh, and my son and I, Christian, were talking about that this morning, and that's the extent of what the Bible reveals to us, and we don't want to just go any further than that. They were also involved in the 10th plague in Egypt. Remember what the 10th plague was? Death of the firstborn, right? And the angel of death went back. And then probably one of my favorite, but also one of the more tragic uh, stories in the Old Testament is First Chronicles 21, 15. That's the part where David said, hey, I think it was Abner or whoever it was, one of his generals, I want you to go and number the people of Israel. He was supposed to do a census, something that the law said, hey, don't do that. Because you do a census, you figure out how powerful you are, you start relying on that. It's kind of like our bank accounts or 401ks or whatever it is you put your trust in. Guilty. Okay, we start looking at that too much as God, trust me. Doesn't mean that we don't do a good job, don't do the job of a king, but he did that. He got his eye just about 20 degrees off the ball and pestilence, and he was given a choice. This can happen or that can happen, and there was this angel who's going to bring about pestilence. So they carry out the will of God in that regard. Arnold has a whole section on, on, revel, on age, angels as agents of revelation. I already touched on that, so I'm not going to go into that. But the bottom line is the law of Moses was not given to Moses directly by God. It was, in, it was through angels as an intermediary. Interesting. Now, how about the life of Jesus? Uh, see if you can tell me um, 
Where do we see angels in the life of Jesus? He's out in the wilderness after okay. he's tempted. So he out in the wilderness? Exactly. All right. There was another fallen angel there too, as we know. And but what else? Announcing his birth. Announcing his birth. Big deal. In in announcing not only his birth, but the birth of his herald, right? Remember Zechariah had an interaction with Gabriel, it didn't go so well for Zechariah there. Right? And uh, what else? In his death? Okay, can you be more specific? Okay. All right, and exactly what? His resurrection. Okay, sure, and his resurrection. How many angels moved the stone from the tomb? One. One, right? So, there. What about doing his life? We have one example already through the temptation. I don't know if there is. I don't know. I can't think of one myself. But if I'm missing something. Um, what about when he comes back? I mean, he ascended to heaven, and then there were two angels there. If, depending on how you read it, the cloud was angels, where cherry been taking them up. Uh, but he's coming back in the same way, and we're going to see him again. So from before his arrival, throughout his life, especially at the temptation, you know, uh, and then all the way to his death, resurrection, and his return, angels have been involved in that all throughout. Okay? So they're definitely involved in the Messiah's birth, throughout his ministry. Um, there's one instance, actually. It's right here. So what about at the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember, he is in agony. Luke 22, I think it's 22, 43 says, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. So during his agony, the angel was there. And remember what he said in Matthew 26, 53? Of course, you guys should have that memorized, right? <laughs> I love it. I'm looking at a computer. I can just click on it, right? So, do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? 12 times 5. Don't do public math. That's a lot. Okay, that was at His trial. So, throughout the Messiah's life, angels were present. They're certainly present in His resurrection, His ascension. Uh, it will be present in the second coming. And uh, so let's transition now to the work of angels among the nations. And I want to introduce this word that uh, Arnold has in his manuscript here. It's called cosmocrats. So you have bureaucrats and you have cosmocrats. So the cosmos is everything, okay? And we're going to talk about the doctrine of the cosmos when we get to Satan here in a little bit. Um, because that's the, his sphere of operation, is the world we're living in. And they function as world rulers. We see this in Daniel 10, 13. Um, and today, just to set the expectation, I'm going to just kind of move fast, so we're not going to stop a lot and actually read a passage together. I'm going to read it. There's one or two that we may read together, but I'm just going to read it when they come up. So the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Some angelic, a fallen angelic being, okay, that withstood him. But Michael, who's Michael? He's the chief of princes. So, of all, so he's the, the, the head dude. Uh, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. So there's often this insight into the spiritual realm. So clearly there are, there are angelic beings, both fallen and, 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 and holy, that are involved in, in nations. Um, in Isaiah 14, 3 through 20, a long section, and this is the one that I was hoping we can read, but I think we're going to do it later. It, we have this idea of talking about the king of Babylon, but it's actually not the human king that's being referred to the entire time, it's actually this satanic being, this demon, okay? And the same thing in Ezekiel as it relates to Tyre. So fallen and unfollow angelic beings are used as cosmocrats. I'm gonna read right out of Arnold's thing here because I think he does a good job with this. Many things, quote, many things that happen among nations are due to these angelic beings. Um, and uh, so quite frequently, he says, he goes on to say, the reason nations go to war against one another is because they have been moved to do so by these cosmocratic angelic beings. Um, anybody want to object to that? <laughs> <laughs> They're working overtime right now. They're working overtime right now. So I, here's what I want us to be careful to do. I want us to be sensible people, right? So... I agree with what he's saying. I think there's a biblical basis for that. At the same time, we can't just attribute everything that's happening to Satan. And we're going to learn that as a principle here in just a little bit when we get into that. Okay? So this shouldn't be an excuse for us as well. I guess that's it. 
Mm-hmm. Let's kick this can down to right now. We, we still have personal responsibility. Works of, work of angels among believers. So that we kind of briefly dealt with nations now about among unbelievers, excuse me. There's three areas. The announce impending judgment. Not a good, not a good thing, okay? We see that in Genesis 19. Uh, in the case of uh, Lot, right? Say, hey guys, there's some bad things coming. You need to, you need to move. And then we'll see that we, it's coming in Revelation 14. So angels inflict punishment. We just <laughs> talked about that. In the case of the Egypt, Egyptians, um, they, they serve in that capacity among the believers. And what was the mark of belief? There was something that the Israelites had to do in order to avoid the angel of death. What was it? The lamb's letter the doorpost. The lamb in the doorpost, exactly. Lamb in the doorpost. Is that an act of faith? Yeah. That's express faith, right? So you get a clear command from God, hey guys, do this. And I'm going off topic just for a little bit because I think this is really a really good time to do it. Uh, in the desert, when there's the poisonous snakes come and bite everybody and they put the serpent on a pole, I think I've talked about that here before. So let's say you got bit by a snake, you're sitting in your, in your tent, Things are not going well. Life is starting to ebb away, and some guy comes up and says, "Hey, here's what you got to do. You got to get up, and you got to go to the center of the camp, and you got to take a look. This is the last of your strength. Is that an act of faith? Absolutely. I think if we remember those things when we're dealing with spiritual things, it's important that faith has to have some work component to it. Otherwise, it's dead. And that's what James is talking about. Um, not sure if that's the best example, but and it, they, the angels also will function in, in the role of unbelievers as reapers. Those will separate the the, the, the the wheat from the tares, okay? And we see that in Matthew 13 with Jesus' uh, couple parables there. So now is the most important part. We're doing good on time. So the relationship to believers, to us. So we're going to talk about that in 10 different categories. So the first is in relationship to our salvation. What do they do when we're saved? Rejoice. Rejoice. So there's a party in heaven when a believer comes to faith. I think that's great. And what was their biggest emotion, remember, is joy. Joy, rejoice. I think that's wonderful. Hey. Um, We talked about the believer's guardianship, the concept of the guardian angel. And uh, we see that... um, this is Psalm 34, 7, I think, is what we referred to earlier, Marsha. You were talking about that. The angel of the Lord... No, it was an example. Never mind. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Uh, Psalm 91 and 11, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. You could look at that and say, well, that's about the Messiah, and it is. But I think it also... Uh, it goes to... It speaks to the sovereignty of God in our lives, that nothing is going to happen outside of what God permits. Um... And into believers' safety. So this is the third area, believers' safety. Um, I give you that example one of the YouTube video where the 19-year-old was in the car accident and everybody thought, you know. So we need to be have a balanced approach there. In this case, everybody was thinking it was an angel. Turned out it was a Catholic Roman Catholic priest that didn't look at all like anything that an angel describes in the Bible when he came out. Yeah, it was me. So we want to. We don't want to go down those paths because we lose credibility. And we want angels rejoicing, people getting saved, and all we need to do is give ammunition to the unbelievers and the opposition out there for saying, you guys are a bunch of lunatics. However, um, I don't know how much you guys are aware of this, but there is a whole demonic movement going on around the world right now with young people in in reference to uh, uh, gender, and and you can just see people actually using demonic personal pronouns and advertising that. Don't go there, but it's out there. These are, these are, these are something that, it, it's just becoming no longer hidden, it's overt. It's overt, and it's evil. So, so do, do, do angels protect us? Can they protect us? There's an example of that's in the Bible. A guy named Daniel, right? Acts 12. Acts 12. That's Peter. Yeah. So, it can happen. Let's just be cautious that um, if you've had an experience like that, I'd love to hear about it, and I'm not going to question it, but let's make sure it's legit. But it does happen, and I think part of being in heaven and rejoicing in heaven is knowing all these different times that we didn't know, but God had sent his angels to protect us, you know. Um, I think here, just sharing a little bit of a story, I don't think it's a... I know God protected me, but there's been many times flying or something, you go like, oh, wow. You know, if, if it had gone that way, I wouldn't be here. 
you know, me and a whole bunch of other people. So I know God protects and he uses angels to do that. He can also uh, send his angels to guide us. The life of Joseph is a great example of that. And Joseph always responded. You know, he had a vision in his dream, says, hey, you need to get up and do this, and he go and go and does it. In the life of Philip uh, and the Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, we have that also. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, uh, and then we have Acts 10, 3, we have the story of Cornelius, the first Gentile believer. It was, you know, there was a, an apparition, uh, not an apparition, an angel that, that spoke to him as well, and, and many other things. What about answered prayer? Can God answer prayer through an angel? It's a good example of that from the Old Testament. Yes, ma'am. He did this morning, like just about, he had a car on the way. Uh, my blind spot to move over, and all of a sudden, this guy honks at me, and I'm going, oh, Lord. <laughs> I pray before I ever get in the car. Good, good. So that's a good example. Okay. Well, it could be, it could be just a guy doing the right thing. We don't know, right? But we can, we can give, you know, praise and glory to God for watching out over you. Always. Amen. Yes. With Hannah, when she um, prayed for a child. Yeah. Okay. And in, in which way did an angel was involved in that? You know, I don't know off the top of my head, but I was just trying to, yeah, it's okay, but let me, let me, let me, before we get into that, is it okay to pray to angels? No. 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 Why? Because they're not, they're not, they're created beings, they're not God. Okay, all right. So, um, I grew up with servants in the home in Brazil, okay, and one of the things I learned, you learned this as a kid, is that the lady cleaning and the lady cooking in the home, they don't work for me, they work for my mom. So I remember one time I was, I was alone and they were there and I thought I was the boss of the house and I ordered them to cook me french fries. And she said, oh, okay. So she a made lot a, a lot of french fries. I got sick as a dog, okay? Mm -hmm. It wasn't the right thing. It was a, so the, my point is this, we don't pray to angels because we have access to the Father. And after all, they're not really working they're working for us on behalf of him. We go to the boss. But there are times in the life of Daniel, for example, where angels are an answer to prayer. And um, I think Acts 12 is a great example of that as well. In the life of Hannah, do I think that, um, it's interesting because the whole archeological thing, we're, st we're digging at Shiloh at the place where that event took place, you know what I mean? So come please on, on, on Saturday, November 6th to, to listen. But now, Becca, you got, you, got, you, you got your work cut out for you, Becca. You're going to have to read that through again and prove me wrong. And you've done it before. So um, what about encouragement? So believers' encouragement. We see that in Acts quite a bit. You know, uh, Acts uh, 5, 18, and 20, they arrested the apostles and put them in the, public, in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life and then acts 27 23 through 25 for this very night there stood before me an angel of the of of the god to whom i belong and whom i worship and he said do not be afraid that's paul um and the believer's death does a believer ever die alone okay luke 16 22 the poor man died and was carried by the angels to abraham's side the rich man also died and was buried so the angels care. And by the way, that's not a parable because parables don't have real names in it. So I don't believe it's a parable. I think Jesus is actually describing something that happened in the spiritual realm. So I think that's a point of encouragement because, right, confidence, courage, and comfort. It's comforting to know that um, when, when that moment, when we pass from death to life, we're going to be greeted by angels and taken into his presence. Uh, the ministry of observation. I think we, we talked about this a bit already. That um, This is Luke 12, 8 through 9. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. So there's something going on there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 9. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. So 
Um, when when believers make a commitment to the Lord, angels are dear as witnesses. And this is 1 Timothy 5, 21. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, this is what we're studying, I charge you to keep these rules without uh, prejudicing, doing nothing from partiality. To local churches, local churches have an angel assigned to them. We get that from Revelation 2 and 3. Now, I don't think that that was specific just to the seven churches. I think every local church has one. So, you can go and disagree with me later. <laughs> uh, and, yes? Well, also in First or Second Corinthians, I think, 11, that <sighs> women are supposed to have a symbol of authority in church because of the angels, Yeah. whatever that means. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, don't, I hope I'm not sounding like I, but I don't know all these things. I, 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 I'm just going as far as I can go and going, wow, there's, some, there's a lot of things I would like to know more about. So a proper attitude towards angels, here's how we should relate to them. We should look at wonder and amazement, that's okay, okay? And at their ability to work, that's perfectly legitimate. We can appreciate their ministry, but we're forbidden to worship or pray to them. Colossians, the book of Colossians, I think I mentioned that briefly, there's this really good book by uh, Douglas Moo called The Colossian Syncretism. If you want to like a, a book you can brag about, hey, I'm reading this really deep theological book, go read that one. And it deals with this idea that they were struggling with in the church in Colossae about people praying to angels. Okay, so we avoid that. And we will be the judge of angels, fallen angels. So that's coming. Uh, in the future, they will be present at the tribulation. Uh, and as I said, they're going to be present at the second coming. And that about covers it. And now we got time to jump into our second part of our study where we're just going to hit some highlights on, on the doctrine of Satan and, and what that all means. You guys ready for that? Okay. So, just the same way that there were three false ideas about angels, there's three false ideas about Satan. The first one, that he's not a personality. He's just an evil principle in the world that we need to be fighting against. That's not the case. He's a real, he's a real, uh, a real individual, okay, or a real creation of God. Um, he is the cause of all individuals' sins. That's a false concept. Is he the cause of every sin in our, in our life? No. But he gets blamed for a lot of that. The devil made me do it. Yeah, the devil made me do it. That, well, that's a false idea. Um, or that Satan or one of his demons is responsible for every physical or mental disorder. That's false. So he is a personality. He's not responsible for every individual's sins. And him and his demons are, are not responsible for every physical and mental disorder. Okay? We need to set that good ground clear right off the bat. In the same way that the, the good angels aren't responsible for everything that happens that good in, in, in our lives. So we need to strike that balance. They do, does he exist? Yes. Seven of 39 books in the Old Testament include reference to Satan. And 19 of 27 of the New Testament books include reference to Satan. And all New Testament writers talk about him. Okay, and uh, Jesus had a conversation with him in his temptation, right? So where did he come from? And I'm going to ask a question. Where in the Bible? Can you can't answer this? You cannot answer this. See <laughs> 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 answer I know. <laughs> so, so where did he come from? And give me a, a book in the Bible that deals with the origin of Satan. God, I forget this. Right? Isaiah. Joe. Not Isaiah. Okay. No. The origin of Satan. There is a reference in there, but I, that's not the one I'm looking for. So, gosh darn it. Don't think so hard. Well, yes, but I'm talking about the origin because in Genesis he just shows up. We don't. How about Ezekiel? How about the right answer is Ezekiel 28 11 through 15? I think it's Genesis 1 1. <laughs> well, and then I'm going to challenge you on that because the, he was there before the creation. Uh, we studied that last time. So let me. This is the one I'm going to read the whole thing. So this is Ezekiel 28, 11, 15. I'll work on my asking questions better. <laughs> so um, moreover, the word of the Lord. So this is Ezekiel speaking. Ezekiel in the book of Ezekiel. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, quote, son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre. And say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, quote, You were the signet of perfection, 
full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, Ezekiel, I, I think you got the wrong message. Are you talking about the king of Tyre, the guy I just saw the other day and his cat? No, no, no. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Hmm. Sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed <coughs> guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. I believe this is describing the origin of Satan as the cherubim. Okay, he was created and he was in charge of the other ones. His position was, if you imagine the throne of God having four uh, things that hold it, those would be four cherubim and he was the cherubim that covered it. Okay, and we'll get a little bit more into this as we as we progress. So, he um, he's a creative being. Can we all agree on that? Creative being. And he has all the things that we learned about angels that are limiting, he has those as well. So he's not omnipresent, he's not omniscient, and he's not omnipotent. Yeah, that's right. So he doesn't have those, those three things. He gives the appearance of that because he has all his guys working for him. Okay. He has always, um, he has a, a vast network and he has, he's, he's the signet of wisdom. Of all the prettiest things God's ever made, he's number one. And all the things, the wisest things God's made, he's number one. So think about that. That's why when we finished our study today, we're going to talk very briefly about how do we react to all that. Well, we don't speak with disdain. You know, we learned that in Jude. So he's the full sum of wisdom and beauty. Now, I want to explain that. So imagine that God had a blueprint for creation in, this, in its... Uh, it's like this. This is the blueprint. So when he made man, he filled the blueprint about right here. Okay? And then when he made the angels, he filled it all that plus this. Okay? And then when he made the cherubim, he filled all that plus a little bit more. And when he made Satan, he did the whole thing. Of all his creation, he's the, the fullest one. He's the full measure. Which means that our enemy is very powerful. It's a, it's a, it's a, he's the full, the blueprint of the pattern, he, he was it. Okay, he is the wisest and most beautiful of all creation. He was a cherub, the highest order, and he said that God anointed him. To anoint means to be messiah. Do you think that there's some kind of fight going on between this messiah angel that fell and Jesus? You bet there is. And he was perfect when he was created. Now, regarding his fall, he's the first sinner. So, First John. 3, 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Okay? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now that we know a little bit about this, that verse makes more sense to me. It's more clear, isn't it? Well, maybe just to me. Okay. First sin. Okay, so what was the first sin of Satan? Pride. What's that? Pride. 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 Uh, and we see that in 1 Timothy 3, 6. Like, well, come on, Tim, how? Well, he must not be a recent convert. We're talking about elders. We're going to be discussing that here. Somebody being put in authority in the church because he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. So that's not the devil condemning them. That's the devil's sin, which was pride. Okay, so we don't put people in positions of authority if they're new believers because of pride. And I've seen that happen. Okay, the consequence of sin is in Ezekiel 15 through 19, the continuation of those verses. If we read them, it would be cast down. He's been cast down from heaven. And in Isaiah 14, I think you were, somebody was talking about Isaiah. Isaiah 14, this is the other passage I'm going to read. And this is part of the comfort and encouragement. Okay, Isaiah 14, 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. That's another title for, um, for, for Satan. How you are cut down to the ground. You who slay the nations low. You said in your heart, these are the five I wills of Satan. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will ascend, um, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will asc ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will make myself like the Most High. We've heard that before. That was in the Garden of Eden at the temptation. He, he took his sin and says, hey, let me, let, me, let me pass this along. You want to be like God? Eat from this fruit. Mm, okay. So the I wills is I will ascend, I will exalt, I will sit on his throne, I'll be higher than the Shekinah glory of God, and I will make myself like him. Okay, like him. He is a person. He has intelligence. He debates with God in Job, and he, he speaks with, with, with uh, Jesus in Matthew 4 at the, ten, at the, at the temptation. Um, uh, emotion. What's his emotion when compared to the regular angels? They joy. What do you think his is? Anger. Anger. Yeah, 1 Timothy 3, 6. Con conceit. Anger. Volition. Well, we just saw that, his five eye wills. So I'm going to read out his titles. These are the titles in the Bible. And I want you to think uh, of a reaction or of a thought of a word that comes to your mind, okay? So participate here, please. So here's the ten. Is it ten? Yeah, here are ten titles for, for, um, for Satan from the Bible. Day Star, translated from Lucifer, which is not his real name. Lucifer is from the Vulgate, Latin Vulgate, but Day Star. Anointed Cherub, decent ones. The Destroyer, the Prince of this world, the Prince of the powers of the air, the God of this age, the evil one, Prince of demons, the King of Tyre or the King of Babylon. Any thoughts, comments? <coughs> Jesus, uh, when he was accused of being uh, demon-possessed, he said Satan can't cast out Satan because then his kingdom would be divided. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, uh, insinuating that Satan's kingdom is the earth. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to pray for God's kingdom to mm -hmm. come and God's Amen. will to be done on earth. Amen. Let's do that. Let's do that as an, as an act of the will our will counter to his will this week okay and our lord taught us to pray that way that's a great observation any other thoughts the god of this age oh yeah yeah just just right. tell him yeah <laughs> um just uh his titles make him sound like um zeus or maybe jupiter or something like yeah. that he's glorious and violent um but he's also a prince, so it's kind of like, um, you know, to, to someone who's not, you know, educated about who he is, he might actually look like, oh, this, this is a god, right? Or, That's a very interesting observation because we know that behind these idols of antiquity, there were demons. So they certainly, the same way that we're not to worship, you know, holy angels, the fallen angels want to be worshipped. They're craving that. That's a great observation. Yeah, it's, it's, his whole scheme is deception. He gets a, a thread of truth, and he weaves the lies in there. There's always a thread of truth in all these things. You see that in conspiracy theories on the internet and whatnot. There's always a thread of something. And uh, Okay, uh, his description. So those were his titles. These are his descriptions. Zechariah 3, uh, 1 and 2, I'm going to read it for us. It says, then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem. Rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? So he's the accuser. Okay, he's the angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.4, he disguises himself as that. Galate, it may be Galatians 1.8, but... My point here is we're dealing with uh, our LDS friends and, and neighbors. Is it possible that Joseph Smith, whatever vision he had, was, was Satan deceiving him? I think it's possible, perhaps likely. Um, that's why we don't rely on visions. What do we rely on? The Word of God. We're a Bible church for a reason. You want to go rely on that? You do it somewhere else. <laughs> You know, don't do it somewhere else. It does not end well. It won't end well. Okay? I, and, I, and that one I'm going to be just, just mean. Because it's not right. It, we can't do that. And there's just too much temptation to do that. And by the way, he's the tempter. He, he tempted Jesus. You think you and I are immune? He's the deceiver, Revelation 12, 9. He's the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2, 2. So Satan's work. Uh, I want to contrast between the holy and the unholy. First, this idea of the cosmos. The cosmos is the world system. This word is used 187 times in the Greek New Testament, so it's important. I'm going to move a little faster now. 
uh, other words, is age or world. And the doctrine of the cosmos is that Satan controls it. It's holy and totally evil. Oh, come on, Tim. There's good things out there. Yes, they are. But we can't get in a spacecraft and fly anywhere and find a place not touched by the fall. And uh, that, that's just escapism. You're not going to find it in a compound in Idaho surrounded by guns and ammunition and a bunch of Bibles. You got it. You're going to have to deal with it right now. Temptation in three areas. Flesh. So the cosmos temp tempts us in the idea of the flesh, the eyes, uh, and the pride of life. So the desire of the cosmos is three things, wealth, security, and uh, material things as opposed to spiritual things. And I can see, is there conviction happening a little bit here? We are seeking those things too. And sometimes we seek them apart from God. You know, I think uh, we can get into the whole idea of a vaccine providing us security from this. But the truth is, is that vaccine, yes, works. There's a material side of that. It's a, whatever ideas you want to carry about that. You can have your thoughts. I can have mine. We can come to a, 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 a non-consensus or whatever. But the thing is, is that what's our ultimate hope? Not in these things. Our ultimate hope is in the Lord because we have no control of when are we going to go. We can't make a hair in our head black or white, okay? Or go taller. Um, What's that? Or to fall out or stay there. Yeah, right, exactly. So the, the Cosmo is impotent. It can't deliver what we want. So these things that we want, security, it can't deliver on that. It, and, and we see that when the famous actors that have everything commit suicide, or we look into the heroes of the world and they seem to be unhappy. But God loves it. Hmm. Okay. What's a verse? John 3, 16. For God so loved the cosmos that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He sent his son to save us out of the cosmos. Okay? So save us out of it. So this is why we need a new heaven and a new earth. I know I'm just moving faster. Okay? So a new heaven and a new earth. So John 12, 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. This is darkness. Okay, our, our position as believers in it, it, we're in it, but we're not of it. John 15, 19. And it's temporary. This will pass away. Whew. Comfort. Uh, courage. And confidence, right? So in the Old Testament, uh, Satan is the originator of sin. He's the cause of the fall of man, Genesis 3. He's the accuser and afflictor of Job. He disputes with Jude. In Jude, in Jude, not disputes with Jude. In Jude, we see that he disputes with Michael for the body of Moses. What is going on there? Wow. Uh, he's the motivator of David's failed choice of having the census. And he's the accuser of Israel in Zechariah that we just read. In relationship to God, what do you think he's doing? In relationship to God, Satan is. He's opposing. I don't like the word battling because battling is the sense that somehow God is actually going like that. He's not. Uh, you know, he's opposing. He's opposing. He's opposing. But I see where you got that from because I think the same way. Uh, but he's opposing. Uh, he offers a counterfeit religion. The offer is not no religion, because anybody tells you they don't have religion, they're a lie. Okay, okay. Everybody's got a religion. I think what's that? What's that? The Bob Dylan. Everybody's got to do something. I forgot the song. I should really work on my illustrations there. Never mind. It was like everybody's got to serve someone or something. That song. Okay. Everybody's serving someone. Okay. So a false messiah or messiahs. Uh, he false followers. They could be right in our midst. They're terrors among we. Right. False theology, uh, if it's old, it's not necessarily right, okay? I think the NIV is a great example of that. You have some access to some ancient texts from, from Egypt, and they were tainted by the Gnostics. People rebelling against sound doctrine has been happening from the moment sound doctrine showed up. And if Satan knew, he would have sowed seeds before that to keep it from happening. So going back to the origins of your faith in some other area is not the answer either. Um, false theology and counterfeit miracles. Counterfeit miracles are real. Satan has power to do miraculous things. But that these are miracles that are saying, somebody's doing them and saying, hey, this is Jesus did it, but it's not. Okay? We've got to move a little bit faster here. We're almost there. 
So in relationship to God, we looked at that. Now what about, about Jesus? You see that right in the beginning, Genesis 3.15. Somebody said right in the beginning, yes, you're right. Genesis 3.15, because there's going to be en enmity between the seed of the woman, the Messiah, and the seed of Satan, the Antichrist. Okay, He tried to kill the baby Jesus. <laughs> He's a murderer. He tried to kill the baby Jesus. And a whole bunch of two-year-old and younger died because of that. He is evil. He was at the temptation of Jesus offering all the kingdoms of the world, not as some false promise, because those are his. That's his cosmos. He's the usurper. So um, he uses people like Herod and Peter. Peter? Yep, he used Peter. Peter, when he said, hey, get behind me, Satan. Be careful. We can be under his influence. Uh, Judas. Judas was uh, not just demon-possessed. He was uh, possessed by Satan. He was satanically possessed. So that to me proves he was not a believer because that's something that can't happen to us. Uh, in relationship to Gentile nations, he lays them low, he deceives them, he influences them. You think we're being influenced as a nation right now by Satan or whoever prince is assigned to? You bet we are. He authorizes the Antichrist because there's an offer that goes out to Jesus. Say, hey, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you worship me. That same offer is going to go to the Antichrist. He's going to say, yep, I want that. Uh, he gathers the Gentile nations in Armageddon after the um, uh, Armageddon, and then he leads the final revolt after the Messianic Kingdom. He is the chief opposer of Israel. You know, so anti-Semitism is satanic, and um, in relationship to unbelievers, he prevents belief in the gospel. We see that in the the uh, seeding, the, the sowing parable, Matthew thirteen. He attracts falsehood even among believers. Okay? and then satisfies them with that. He has a power of death over unbelievers, and if you've been excommunicated from the church, he's a power of death over you too. I'm not referring to anybody here, of course. Uh, he's involved in suffering. He sows uh, unbelief, uh, unbelievers among believers. He uses unbelievers to prevent the gospel. We see that in the prosperity gospel movement and the liberal Christianity South there. And he uses and controls and empowers his own unholy ministers. They look and feel like one of us, but they're not. So here's the important part, and this is what we're going to conclude our study with. I know we're running just a little bit behind. In relationship to us, he sifts us. This is how Peter ended up denying Jesus. He hinders us. He keeps us from accomplishing our calling. He gains advantage over us. He tricks us into doing something that we shouldn't do. He buffets us. He causes us to doubt. He has power over the life of an excommunicated believer. He controls some from within. He influences some. Now, I want to be real specific here. There's some theories on the Internet floating around and different conspiracy things are going around. I believe those things are from the world order, from the cosmos. They're from, not from the Lord. They have enough truth in them that people will latch on to that. The root of believing in that is pride. People are not teachable. They don't want to be teachable, and they want to be one up on everybody else. Let that go, and don't let yourself be influenced by that. Resist the temptation to do that. Resist the devil and his lies. He wars against us, and we fight that with the armor of God. So your reading assignment for the week is Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. He accuses us, but we got the best Jewish lawyer in the business. What's his name? The right answer to every Sunday school question? Jesus. Jesus. He plants doubts. He incites persecution. So you seen all this persecution going on in Africa? That's the devil. That one you can blame on him. Oh, it's the, you know, Islamic, it's the devil. Well, I'm not going to say it out loud. Um, he infiltrates the church. That's the terrorist. He promotes division. So you find yourself in conflict with people within the church? Stop and pray. Stop and pray. Because that's something God hates. So if there's something that needs to be resolved, resolve it. But if there's that starting to friction to develop, get on with that. And that goes to me, goes to everybody else. I'm not immune. He tempts in, in specific areas. Tempts to lie, sexual sins, specific acts of sin, okay? preoccupation with the things of the world, spiritual pride, and rely on human wisdom and strength. He devours some. And what that means is that he allows people to go so deep into sin that they can't come out anymore and they die in it. Doesn't mean they lose their salvation, but they die in it. My father's an example of that. Left the ministry and allowed doubt to creep in. And you go listen to him speak and you realize, you know, wow, okay.
causes people to lose their faith. It's another example. He deceives. He, he, he attempts to defeat. Attempts because he can't, ultimately. He misuses scripture. So when you see people preaching and teaching, and they aren't teaching from the Word of God, they're being influenced, whether they recognize it or not, by the enemy. Okay? Four specific procedures he uses. He uses devices to design and entrap, schemes, snares, and lying wonders. Sometimes people rely on personal experience and feelings to determine their Christianity. Wrong. It's the Word of God. Don't do it because you're opening the Word. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but you're opening yourself to being influenced by the evil. So what is our responsibility? Put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Know what Scripture has to say about specific points and use it. Okay? Real silly example. Somebody's talking about angels. Oh, an angel did this. What did it look like? It looked like an old man with a white beard. Wrong. We know that. So let's not attribute that to that. Let's be specific. Use the power that we have. Don't rebuke or bind Satan. Resistant. James 4, 7, Peter 5, 9, Ephesians 6, 8, and 10. If you read some crazy conspiracy theory on the internet, laced with just enough truth to lose sight that nothing can happen to me outside the will of God, put scripture to the rescue. Job 1.2, 2.6, 1 Corinthians 10.3, 2 Peter 2.9, 1 John 1.9. That's your responsibility. And what? Be vigilant. Don't be fooled. Okay? This is war, so we need to be sober-minded. The drunk mind sees things that he can't figure out and... Ah. Now, be sober-minded. And remember, we have an intercessor. And what's the Sunday school answer for every... Right Sunday school answer for everything? Jesus. Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father. So three conclusion, concluding principles. Don't speak contemptuously of Satan. Jude 8 and 9. Satan is, is used by God to teach believers. What? That's how, how powerful God is. You see that in the life of Job, the life of Paul, and the life of you and me. And Satan is not omnipotent. He can only do what God permits. And one day, Isaiah, or uh, where's the passage here? You will hear this. Those who see you, referring to Satan, will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? So we're going to win. We're right now in war. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we had today. We know that there's a lot in there, Lord, and I pray that as those uh, expressed interest in learning more, that they'll use the tools that are available. And we just pray for the rest of our service today that you'll be in it. And we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.